Visit licentureexams.com and try our samples completely free of charge. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our Licensure Exam podcast. I'm Dr. Linton Hutchinson, and I'm here with my co-host, Stacy Frost. In this episode on our Demystifying Disorders series, we'll be talking about some common trauma and stress-related disorders, PTSD, acute stress disorder, and adjustment disorder. But before we begin, I'd like to give a shout out to all our therapists who are listening from New Zealand. I used to teach at the University of the South Pacific in the Fiji Islands, which is, as you know, just a hop, skip and jump to the north. And I always enjoyed teaching students from New Zealand. I know why the country is known as the friendliest place on the planet. Well, I've never been there, Linton, but I wouldn't have believed all that was true with all the tragedy that they've experienced from the never ending earthquakes they've got going on there. Well, earthquakes are a problem, Stacy, as New Zealand straddles the Pacific and Australian tectonic plates, and that's not going to change anytime soon. It's not uncommon for them to have at least 45 earthquakes a day. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm sure that our therapists out there in New Zealand work with clients who are experiencing trauma and significant life stressors on a daily basis. On the surface, working with clients who have PTSD, acute stress disorder, or adjustment disorder may seem pretty similar. And there are some critical differences in their diagnostic criteria that we're actually going to break down today. And we'll also be talking about some common misconceptions associated with these disorders. That's right. Let's start with PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder. According to the DSM, the diagnostic criteria for PTSD include exposure to actual or threatened death, serious injury, or sexual violence. The exposure can happen directly, by witnessing the event, or indirectly, like learning about a traumatic event occurring to a close friend or family member. And therein lies our first myth to debunk, that everyone who experiences trauma develops PTSD. Well, exposure to a traumatic event is just part of the criteria needed to diagnose PTSD. And what are the other criteria for this disorder, Linton? Well, after the trauma, the person experiences a variety of symptoms that are grounded in four main clusters. Intrusion symptoms, avoidance. Wait a minute, Linton. Can you define intrusion symptoms? Uh, Sure. Intrusion thoughts or unwanted involuntary thoughts, images, or urges that repeatedly enter a person's mind. They are often disturbing are really distressing in nature. These thoughts are egodystonic, which is another good word you need to know for the exam, meaning that they are inconsistent with the client's values and cause them great anxiety. The client usually recognizes that the intrusive thoughts are unreasonable and tries to suppress or ignore them. In response to the intrusive thoughts, the client may develop compulsive behaviors or mental rituals to reduce anxiety and prevent the feared consequences. For example, repetitive praying, counting, cleaning, or checking behaviors. So we have intrusive symptoms, avoidance, negative changes in thinking and mode, and changes in arousal and reactivity. All right, and let me give a few examples of these. So intrusive symptoms include things like distressing memories, dreams, 
and flashbacks. Avoidance symptoms include behaviors like not wanting to be around other people or places that remind the person of the traumatic event. Cognitive and mood changes include negative beliefs, feelings of guilt, shame, or anger, and withdrawal from others. And prolonged psychological distress or physical reactions to reminders of the trauma. Uh, this could include things like angry outbursts, hypervigilance, and having trouble concentrating. Mm -hmm. Got it. So the symptomology for PTSD is almost the same as acute stress disorder. There is a difference in the total number of symptoms required to make each diagnosis. Acute stress requires nine symptoms from a long list of symptoms, while PTSD requires at least six symptoms with a certain number of symptoms coming from specific categories. But the most significant difference between the two disorders that you must remember for the exam is duration or how long the symptoms last. With acute stress disorder, the symptoms last between three days and one month. What happens if you're working with a client in New Zealand who has just been through an earthquake and has been diagnosed with acute stress disorder and their symptoms go on for longer than a month? Well, I'd say in that case, you're looking at potentially changing the diagnosis to PTSD. Mm -hmm. And now you've actually got me curious about something, Linton. Yes, what? <laughs> so say you've got a client who's diagnosed with acute stress disorder. Do they always go on to develop PTSD? No. Some cases of acute stress disorder will resolve within that first month. Mm -hmm. So there are several reasons for this. The first is that early clinical intervention after a trauma can help prevent acute stress reactions from developing into PTSD. Also, resilient factors like social support, healthy coping strategies, and a positive outlook can help some clients recover from acute trauma without chronic impairment. Plus, the trauma event itself matters. Sexual trauma, for example, has a higher risk of PTSD versus physical trauma sustained from a car accident or an earthquake. The severity and nature of the trauma affects the probability of developing PTSD. Okay, thanks for explaining that. Yeah. Now, there are a lot of misconceptions about PTSD. One of those is that PTSD always develops immediately. But in reality, while symptoms usually begin within the first three months following the trauma, it could actually take several more months or even years before full criteria for PTSD is met. There's even a specifier uh, for, for that in the diagnosis, PTSD with delayed expression. And this is noted when full diagnostic criteria aren't met until at least six months following a traumatic event. And that's not the most common course, but it is still possible. So we want to make sure that you know about it. Then there's that diagnostic specifiers you love so much, Stacy. Are they really that important for test takers to know about? Yes, this is not the time to start skimping in your studies, Linton. Not only do you need to have a good foundational knowledge of diagnostic criteria, but you also need to familiarize yourself with the different specifiers that are used to provide that extra clinical detail about the client's presentation and features of a diagnosed medical disorder. Certain specifiers like those for severity may indicate the need for more aggressive treatment. Specifiers noting remission suggest that treatment has been effective so far, and specifiers really allow clinicians to provide more nuance and detail in the diagnosis, which can really help guide treatment planning. 
And I've got more reasons if you want them, Linton. Just tell oh, me. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I get the picture. Back to PTSD. Mm-hmm. Some people think it only affects veterans, but the truth is that it can develop following any traumatic event like sexual assault, robbery, accidents, or like earthquakes that they have so frequently in New Zealand. Exactly. And another misconception is that people with PTSD are prone to violence. Many people with PTSD, most people with PTSD actually, are not violent. Irritability can be a symptom, but PTSD treatment usually aids by improving emotional regulation. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a good point. So let's now move on to adjustment disorder. Mm -hmm. This diagnosis requires the development of emotional or behavioral symptoms in response to an identifiable stressor. Yes. And the distress has to incur within three months of the onset of the stressor. And what do we mean by stressor? Well, common stressors can be things like divorce, job loss, a new life phase. Maybe you're leaving home for the first time or going to be living on your own. Or moving up north. <laughs> yes, moving up north from the <laughs> south. <laughs> right. Now, part of the nature of being human and alive on the planet is that we're constantly exposed to stressors. And sometimes we don't deal with those stressors very well. So if I go to the Publix or Countdown or New World and they're out of sushi and I'm stressed, could I be diagnosed with adjustment disorder? Probably not, Linton, because your symptoms have to cause significant impairment in functioning or be way out of proportion to the severity or intensity of the stressor. Mm -hmm. Okay, I get it. So now one thing that we hear a lot of confusion about is the duration requirements to diagnose adjustment disorder. Can you explain that for us? Sure. Yes. So one of the big misconceptions is that adjustment disorder can only last six months. All right, this is incorrect. If you learned this, please, please, please listen closely. The duration of an adjustment disorder can vary. There's an acute form and a chronic or persistent form. And to explain this, I'm going to take it from the top. Okay. All right, so adjustment disorder is diagnosed when emotional or behavioral symptoms develop in response to an identifiable stressor. The symptoms must develop within three months of the onset of the stressor. Mm -hmm. Once the stressor or the consequences of the stressor are gone, the symptoms cannot persist for more than six more months. Okay, that sounds a bit complicated there. Uh, (laughs) Care to give an example? Yes, okay. So let's say we've got a client, Olivia, who works in Wellington, and lost her job in January. Well, over the next month, she works her butt off going to one interview after the next. By March, she hasn't been able to get a new job, and she's having a really rough time of it. She alternates between feeling anxious and depressed. She can't sleep, and she's really getting behind on her bills. You see her for therapy and diagnose adjustment disorder. Now, let's fast forward to uh, August, about eight months after she initially lost her job. Right. The economy took a downturn, and she's been unable to find a job. She's been living off her credit card. She was booted out of her flat. She had to move back home with her parents, and her symptoms have not significantly improved. Okay. The job loss sounds like a significant stressor, but it's been eight months since she lost her job. Can you still diagnose her with an adjustment disorder? 
Yes. And this is where those specifiers come in handy. Your favorite things. <laughs> yes. Of course, there are specifiers. Yes. And there are two specifiers for adjustment disorder, acute and persistent. Acute is used when the symptoms resolve in less than six months. Persistent is used when the symptoms continue for more than six months. Now, it's been over six months since Olivia lost her job. Right. She's still having a tough time dealing with her job loss. And we can really say that unemployment has become a chronic stressor for her. So we'd attach the persistent specifier to her adjustment disorder diagnosis. Hmm. Okay. Now, can you give us a recap of all of that? Sure. Okay. So adjustment disorder, it's a diagnosed when emotional or behavioral symptoms develop in response to an identifiable stressor, like we talked about a job loss or a divorce, something that is causing significant stress. The symptoms must develop within three months of the onset of the stressor. Once the stressor or the consequences of the stressor are gone, the symptoms cannot persist for more than six months. If the symptoms resolve in six months, after the stressor or its consequences terminate, you will use the specifier acute. If the symptoms persist for six months or longer in response to this chronic stressor or a stressor that has persistent consequences, then you can tack on a persistent or chronic specifier to the adjustment disorder. Let's just move along to the critical <laughs> difference between adjustment disorder, acute stress disorder, and PTSD. Okay. A key difference is that with adjustment disorder, the stressor does not have to be traumatic. Any significant life stressor can lead to adjustment difficulties, except the public's being out of sushi. I get it. So going back to the case we just talked about, why would you diagnose Olivia with adjustment disorder and not PTSD? Okay, that's a good question. And there are a few reasons why. So the main diagnostic criteria for PTSD is exposure to actual or threatened death, serious injury, or sexual violence. Now, losing a job uh, and having financial and housing struggles, while really stressful, doesn't meet the threshold for a traumatic event that you would diagnose PTSD for. Uh, okay. okay. Another reason, adjustment disorder is commonly diagnosed when someone has difficulty coping with unemployment. Now, the job loss is an identifiable stressor. And Olivia's prolonged inability to find work is understandably causing distress. PTSD would only be considered if the job loss itself was traumatically experienced. Right. And although you can diagnose adjustment disorder for someone who has experienced a trauma and is having subsequent issues related to that trauma, you have to consider the entire clinical presentation of that client. Mm -hmm. For example, are they having flashbacks? Are they easily startled? Are they unable to experience positive emotions? If so, then you might consider acute stress disorder or PTSD as you make your diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Now, the main takeaway from today is that while these disorders share some overlap in types of symptoms, the diagnostic criteria differ in terms of the specifics of the precipitating event and the duration of symptoms. So, Linton. How about a summary of what we've talked about today? Sure thing. Adjustment disorder develops within three months of an identifiable stressor. Common stressors include divorce, job loss, and illness. Common symptoms include depression, anxiety, 
and or conduct problems. If the symptoms resolve in less than six months, it is an acute form. If the stressors become chronic and last longer than six months, it is the persistent form. The next is acute stress disorder. Follows exposure to actual or threatened death, serious injury, or sexual violence. Symptoms last three days to one month after the trauma. May predict the development of PTSD. The client experiences intrusive symptoms, negative mood, disassociative symptoms, avoidance symptoms, and arousal symptoms. PTSD. Follows exposure to actual or threatened death, serious injury, or sexual violence. Symptoms are very similar to acute stress disorder. Symptoms last more than one month. All right. Well said. Well, thank you all for tuning in today. We hope we've helped to demystify some of those trauma and stressor-related disorders for you. And until we meet again, remember, it's in there. It's in there.